second week, 40 days in prayer. This is a beginner's guide to prayer. Now, some of you don't, 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 uh, you've been praying for years. Don't turn me off this morning. All right. You're like, I already got this down. I pray all the time. Pretty much an expert. You'll get something out of this. So everybody lean in a little bit and we'll, we'll get this together. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to read one, one short little scripture here. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't that a good ask? Lord, teach us to pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you didn't just leave us hanging out here, ignorant of how to communicate with you, but, but you equip us, you teach us, you enable us to hear your voice and to communicate with you. And, and so we pray, Lord, over these next few weeks, God, as we endeavor to learn the art of prayer, to learn how to communicate with you in a meaningful way. Lord, that you grow us as a church, you grow us as individuals, you change our lives because we know you better, because we know your will for us better. Thank you, God, this morning that you chose us. And thank you that we're here, leaning into you. And we pray all these things in the only name that matters. And that's the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Prayer is one of those things that uh, I think almost everybody does at some point in time. Uh, whether, whether you are praying to Jesus or not might be a different story. Whether you're praying to God, every culture prays in some way. Every culture does. Praise to something, praise to someone. Every culture is throwing up prayers. Every culture um, has an image. We happen to uh, believe in the one true God. Okay, just making sure I was in the right place. Everybody's like, really? There's only one? We happen to believe that Jesus is God's son, come to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And he lived the perfect life, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and he is coming to take us home. We believe all those things. The resurrection, we believe in the resurrection of the saints. We believe that God enabled us than to communicate with him through Christ, right? Because Christ broke the barrier between sin and the, that separated us from God. And so now we have Jesus con making the connection between us and the Father, and we're able to pray and communicate with God the Father now. That's an awesome thing. Amen? When you didn't study for a test and you got a final, it's an awesome thing when you can go, God, help me! I don't think it works like that. You'd get better grades if it did. Um, if you type prayer into Google, there's 856 million results. There's 133,000 books, 125,000 videos. How many, 125 million videos, 133 million books. How many videos of people praying are there out there? God wired us for prayer. He wired human beings for prayer. Everybody prays. It's a universal urge worldwide. Every culture prays to something or someone. Even atheists at times cry out, oh God. 
It's part of what makes us different from every other living thing uh, on the planet. We have the ability to communicate with our creator. It's what differentiates us between your dog. There's other things, but that's a main one. Or your cat. Or, or your, I don't know, lizard. Whatever you creepy crawly thing in your house. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. He put, he put a desire for, uh, for God in us, a desire to communicate with God in us. It's, it's part of who we are. It's part of how we're created and wired and, and, and we're constantly seeking and, and trying to figure it out and, and all these things. So God did that on purpose to have a relationship with us. The issue is we're not very good at it. We're not very good at it. Raise your hand if you go, I'm not very good at it. I'm just not very good at it. Everybody feels inadequate when we're praying. Some of that, I think, is justified. Because when you're talking to your spouse, you're not talking to anybody perfect. When you're talking to your kids, you're not talking to perfect people. So there's a, there's a level playing field when we're talking to each other. When we're praying, there's, a, there's an innate reality that we're praying to a perfect God, right? And you're like, I don't know if I should be grammatically incorrect when I'm praying to God. I don't know if I should say ain't. I don't know if I should, should I really tell God that I don't like people? Because we don't have a problem telling everybody else we don't like people because they're just as imperfect as we are. But God is love, so how do I tell God, hey, I don't like them? So we have this, it's like, I don't know what, it's this difficulty coming back and forth. We're not very good at it. Even Paul considered himself to be somewhat of a novice at prayer. Romans 8, 26, he says, we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. He's saying, I don't even know what to say right now. Anybody ever felt that way? Some crisis hits your life and you're just sitting in, you're sitting in your bedroom, you're like, God, I don't even know what to say. I have no idea what to say. I'm about ready to cuss, but I don't think you want to hear that. I don't know what to say, Lord. Paul was in that very same. The Apostle Paul, the, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said he didn't even know what to pray for. We're at a loss for words. Even the disciples who live with Jesus asked him for help. Luke chapter 11, that we just read, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Could you imagine? Let me, let me stop there. Could you imagine hearing the Son of God pray? You would be intimidated about your prayer life. Imagine hanging out with Jesus and hearing Jesus communicate with God the Father. Like, uh, can you teach me how to do that? That's what they said. Luke records that the disciples came to him and went, hey, listen, we heard you praying. We ain't got no clue how to pray like that. It's like you know him. Can you teach us how to pray like that? So even the disciples struggled. Even the ones that live with Jesus struggled. So what happens is sometimes we get frustrated with prayer because of our misconceptions. Now let's go over some misconceptions about prayer. Prayer is not a magic wand. Don't we like, I, I know it's a cartoon or whatever, but the genie, the, the magic lantern, and we think if I, if I rub it the right way, God's going to pop out and give me what I want. 
You don't remember being a teenager? Laying in bed at night going, God, if you love me. She is so beautiful. That was just the guys. We, we tend to use prayer as a, as a magic, as a, a thing you can rub a couple times the right way. Like if I say the right things, if, if, I, if I say the right things to God, God, I love you and I know you love me and I know you love me and if you really, really love me, if you really love me, you'll do this one thing for me, right? And we tend to use them like, a, like we're going to sprinkle fairy dust on our, our circumstances. Something goes wrong. And we, God, God if, you're, if you're out there, just fix it. Come on. Just blink. And we want to we do the, the little, does anybody remember the, uh, when I was growing up, it was, was it I Dream of Jeannie? Yeah. We want that. We want to be able to just throw a wand at it. It's not, a, it's not an enchanted tool. It's not Harry Potter. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> it's not a magic bottle you rub. God just doesn't come out to fulfill every desire we have. He's not sitting there saying, your wish is my command. He's not a big, plump guy with a turban on his head. He's not, he's not your genie. It's not a secret incantation. Isn't it funny how we think if we phrase certain words together, God listens to us more. Think about it. If I can pray the right sentence, then God will always get me what I want. That's why we're always trying to figure out what the right sentence is. That's why we always feel inadequate. Because I don't, I, I don't know what to pray. Remember, Paul? I don't know what to pray. I've been trying to string a few words together, but it doesn't seem like it's working. Because we want what we want when we want it. And so, but I prayed this morning and I prayed this evening and it didn't happen. We want what we want. But prayer is not a magic wand. You can't say hocus pocus. Not in church anyways. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher. You can't just break the glass and only use it in an emergency for desperate situations. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but when do you pray the most? When the house is burning down, right? When all the money's gone? When the relationship's ending? When, when the kids won't listen? You, we never pray when the kids listen. We never go, hey God, could you keep this streak going? We never pray when it's really, God, I got more money in the bank than I know what to do with. Could you keep? No, we just go, hey, it's pretty cool. And then when it's all gone, we go, God, what'd you do? Help me. So we're using it as a fire extinguisher. That's a misconception about what prayer is for. We get bad news, we start praying. There's a hurricane coming, we start praying. God, we start making deals. God, if you'll get me out of this mess, we treat it as a last resort. Some, do you hear people say, all we can do now is pray? Like we're handcuffed and all we can do now is pray. Prayer is also not a tug of war with God. I bet you in this building right now, there's a lot of people who think that you have to wear God down 
in order to get him to do something. It's like, it's like, we, we learn this from our parents and my kids are very effective at it. We got a cat in the house. They're so effective at it. We, um, we, we've had, uh, my wife and I have been married uh, going on 23 years now, and we've had very few animals in the house because I don't think they're necessary. And, a, and an animal's lifespan is a lot shorter than mine, so I don't like, I don't like funerals all the time. So what happens, though, is, is I have at least one child that is an animal lover. She wants to be a veterinarian. She wants to do all this stuff. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. Um, so we, we've had two dogs, right? We've had two dogs. Both of them died before I did. Um, fortunately, one of them died while I was on vacation. My father-in-law buried it for me. I thought, hey, if this is the way it works every time, we can get another dog. The second one I had to bury, and I thought, I'm never doing this again. We had a little funeral outside. It was in August. I had to dig in the hardest part of the yard, and my dog was 100 pounds, and, and we're standing around. And just to let you in on a little bit of the Jones family, you think everything's fine. We're standing around. It's 98 degrees. Am I exaggerating this? It's 98 degrees. We're all standing around. And my oldest daughter is the most cold-hearted person on the planet, and she didn't even want to be there. My, my middle daughter is sobbing. My son's kind of in the middle, me and my wife. And I'm like, why am I giving a eulogy over the dumb dog? I don't understand what's happening. And my oldest daughter's like, you made me come home for this? Let's just put the dirt on the thing and keep moving. Um, and so I'm like, I'm like, Max was a great dog for the time he was here. And I'm choking up. And I'm like, why am I doing, I did this to myself. <laughs> so I make a rule, I, 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 a proclamation to the family, we're not getting any more animals. You can forget this. This is it. How long did it take? Three months? Six months? Is there any other dads in the house that you're just like, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. Just get a cat. Just whatever. I can't take it. One more. I can't. We treat God like that. Like if we wear him down. By the way, you do understand God doesn't sleep. He doesn't get tired. So it's not the idea that if we keep pestering him, we're going to wear him out. He is all powerful, all knowing. It's all over. And you can keep asking and asking, asking, asking. You're not going to wear him out. The only reason he rested at the end of creation was for our benefit, not because he was tired. It wasn't like, whoa, that was a full week of work. God's got to take a break now. That's not what it was. So if you get the idea that you got to pray and wear God down so that he just capitulates to your desires, that's, that's a misconception of prayer. Lord, I'd like a new spouse. I'm going to keep asking to you. Give me one. And it's not like God's like, boy, I can't. Shush, just get, get yourself a new spouse. That's fine. Man, just leave me alone. That's not the way God works. But we have these misconceptions. Like it's a, like we got to make a bargain or a bribe or we keep pestering and badgering, badgering God till he gives in. Here's something prayer also is not. It's not a ritual to relieve guilt. Anybody ever felt like that in here? 
You messed up and then you thought, well, I'll pray and then God will love me again. It's not like that. You really blew it. Maybe you sinned this week. No, no, let me rephrase that. You did sin this week, just like I did. So you have to pay for it by praying a lot now. It's like a, it's like a checkbox. Well, I, well, I did this, this, and this, and I made up for it. So now I, I, I prayed more than I did last week. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 says, When you pray, do not use meaningless repetition, thinking that you'll be heard for your many words. It's, it's not about just praying for the sake of praying to check off a box to say, now God is happier with me than, than he was last week because I sinned last week, but I prayed more this week. And now, now the scales are kind of tipped a little bit more in my favor. Now God's going to hear me more and love me more and all this stuff. And now I'm a better person. It's not about that. So over these next couple of weeks, we want to make sure that we understand what prayer is not, but we also want to make sure we understand what prayer is. And um, I think you're going to get some good help this morning because, because I grew up in an age where, um, oh, we'll get to it in a second. I'm going to hold that. So here's some foundational truths about prayer. Watch this. God loves for me to talk to him about anything. <laughs> you're like, no, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. God loves for you to talk to him about anything because he created you and he wants to hear about what you're going through. He wants you to communicate to him about the things that you're experiencing, the things that you like, the things that you don't like, the things, the things that you're walking through. He wants you to communicate to him about everything. Now, most of us think we, we only communicate to God about certain things, Right? Like, how many have ever sat there and go, wait, wait, God, man, this is a really good Netflix show. This is, this is a good one. I was just thinking about how exciting this TV show is, and I thought, I just let God know. It's a good show, man. I don't know if you've checked it out, but this is a good show. Because God is interested in a relationship with you, not just a check-in with you. He doesn't want... He doesn't want the long lost relative calling every now and then going, hey man, just checking in. He wants the communication constant. So you have, to, you have to have constant things to communicate about, right? So he wants to just know about things. He wants to know how your day is going. He wants you to talk about things that aren't necessarily religious. This is going to throw some of you for a loop. Because we've been trained to think all that we could pray about is religious things. Lord, there's somebody sick. I need to pray for him. Lord, there, there's, 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 there's somebody going through it. I need to pray for him. Lord, I, I, or we need to be really inspired like by a sunrise. We're driving to, oh, Lord, the sun rises. You're majestic. And we start using words we never used before. We're going to get to that. If you're interested in something, God is too. Did you hear that? If you're interested in something, then God's interested in it too. He loves you, and when you love somebody, you're interested in the things they're interested in. Amen? Husbands, shake your head yes. 
Oh yeah, I'm interested. He gave you those interests. Now, now listen, we talked at the beginning that you're wired a certain way. You were wired to have communion and to communicate with God. So you were also wired a certain way as far as your interests. And I believe God puts these, these things in us that we gravitate towards. And so aren't you excited when you see one of your friends or a family member or a wife or a, or a kid or a spouse when they, when they start to gravitate towards things that they're good at and they're natural at and it just starts to click and look at how they're working and, and it's all making sense. God loves stuff like that. So if you're a guy in here that likes to weld, why wouldn't you talk to God about welding? Everybody just went, why would I talk to God about welding? Like you just got your mask down and you're welding. You're like, God, this is awesome. Thanks for giving me this talent. Playing the piano, whatever it is. Like customer service. Who, just throughout your day, having a communication with God about the things that are interesting you. Because he's interested in it. He put those things in you. But what we've been taught over the years is like, oh, God doesn't want to hear that silliness. Now listen, how many times have you come home? How was your day? Huh, man, it's fine. Why did they ask how your day was? Because they wanted to know how your day was. So then God is doing the same thing. You could say, God, you could imagine God saying every day, hey man, how's your day? Here's this jerk at work, man, I just tell you. I'll tell you right up front, God, I, didn't, I was having trouble with him today. He wants to know about that. Now, God is not like me sometimes because sometimes I ask my wife how her day was only to tell her how my day was. God's not like that. <laughs> oh, you thought you had it bad. He enjoys talking to his children. Psalms 103, 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. <laughs> we, gotta, we, just, we just dedicated 11 babies, 11 little kids last week. This is so timely, so fitting. Do you ever look at your kid who can't talk yet and say, when this stupid thing grows up, I'll be able to have a conversation with it. <laughs> There's no parent that says anything like that. The kid six weeks old can't say anything. What's wrong with him? What's, I mean, what's happening here? This kid doesn't know anything. That's not... So what happens is we talk to our kids before they can talk to us, right? Don't you talk to your kid and you go, oh, you wish your wala, oh, you wish your wala. That's how you do it. And you talk to your kid before their kid can talk to you and you raise your foot. You're like, oh, aren't you little cute? And you do all those things. And then the kid grows up a little bit and then the, and then the language matures a little bit and you start going, get to your room. And you start, so it kind of changes over time, but you are communicating before they can communicate with you. And God wants to do the same thing. And so when we're, when we're not mature in our faith or we're not mature in the area of prayer, it's fine. God's not looking down at us going, man, I wish the guy could pray better. He's looking at us going, hey, he's smiling. Isn't that what you do with your kid? 
You go, Mama, and they go, ha, 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 my mom's stupid. <laughs> and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're sitting there, and the reaction from your child brings joy to your heart. Amen? God is doing the same thing with us. He's saying, look, I know where you are. I know, I know you may be an infant in the faith. I know you may not be good at this, but just talk to me a little bit. Just coo a little bit. Just roll your eyes at me a little bit. Just smile a little bit. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be interested. In, I'm interested in what you're interested in. I just want a conversation. It doesn't always have to be this formal thing. Thou Father in heaven, oh Lord God. Who talks like that? We love kids before they can talk. God loves us before we're really good at communicating with them. You got to get the thing in your head that God loves you and everything about you. He wants to know stuff. He wants you to communicate with him. Learning to pray is like learning any other language. You just got to do it. You just got to immerse yourself in it. They say the, the easiest way to learn a language is what? Immerse yourself in it. If you want to learn French, move to France. That's pretty easy. Just move and you'll learn French. If you want to learn how to pray, just immerse yourself. Just start praying. Hopefully you'll get some more tips here in a second. Here's something else. There is nothing off limits in talking to God. There's nothing off limits. The Bible says that he knows everything anyway. So like you're hiding something from him. No, I ain't talking to God about that. Nope, he's not going to hear that from me. I'm not telling him. He knew it before you did it. He already knows. Now he wants to communicate with you about what's going to happen now. So nothing's off limits with him. First John uh, chapter five, verse 14. We can be confident approaching God knowing that he listens to us whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, then we can be sure that he will answer us. So we can pray without fear, without hesitation, because God loves it when we talk to him. It's a conversation, not a ceremony. We're going to get to that. Prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. It's not a monologue. It's not just us talking to God. It's us talking and then listening. Listen, some of you in relationships only do monologues. Look at your neighbor and go like this. Or maybe if we shut all the lights off, because that's what they do here at lunchtime, when it's time to be quiet. <laughs> it's a relationship, not a ritual. Let me go out on a limb and say this. If prayer is boring to you, you're misunderstanding the point. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble. You wouldn't look at your wife and go, I don't talk to you because you're boring. <laughs> if you wanted to stay breathing, you wouldn't say that. <laughs> you wouldn't look at your husband and say, I'd talk to you more, but you are, wow. Now think about, think about some of the excuses. Man, I fall asleep when I pray. 
We're communicating with a God who spoke the universe into existence. We're communicating with a God who, who said, let there be light. Light appeared from nothing. We communicate with a God who has the power to do there is nothing impossible with him. And we say stuff like this. Man, when I start praying, I fall asleep. We're misunderstanding what's going on there. It's like, it's like looking at your spouse while they're talking to you and going, oh, are you almost done? We misunderstand the whole process. It's a privilege to be able to communicate with God, not a duty. In Jeremiah 29, 11, people often miss the verses after that. It says, I have good plans for you, not to, plans not to hurt you. I will give you a hope and a good future. Then it says this, then you will call my name and you will come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. He's interested in what we have to say. He wants to have a conversation. Okay, so, so the first thing is, let's just rehash. God loves for me to talk to him about everything, all right? There's nothing off limits. You could talk to him about all your relationships. You could talk to him that you're fed up with certain people. You can talk to him that you just don't like certain people. You, you, could, you could talk to him about anything. The next one is one of my favorites. God listens to prayer that are sincere and simple. Look at your neighbor and say, when you pray, just be real and simple. Tell him that. Go ahead. You just got to be real. And you don't have to be long-winded. Please. Dude, all I asked you to do was bless the food. I didn't ask you to bless anybody in another country. I didn't ask you to pray for your sick aunt. I asked you to just bless the food. And please do it in a way that I can understand that you're blessing the food. For God's sake, just bless the food. It's a short little prayer. It goes like this. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it. Amen. Anybody else on that train? Anybody else there? Just bless the food. Why do we have to get all of this other stuff in here before we eat? Simple and sincere. You don't have to use flowery words or fancy phrases. It just has to come from your heart, authentic, real, honest. Not what you think you ought to say. All right, let's be honest. When somebody asks you to pray, what's the first thing that runs through your mind? Okay, okay, I'm not going to screw this up. First, I'm not going to screw this up. And I'm going to pray something good. Pray something good. I'm going to pray. Lord, thou hugely, awesomely, magnificently, amazing God. And then you crack your eyes to see if anybody's smirking, right? <laughs> we get all locked up like there's some universal code that when somebody asks you to pray, you've all of a sudden got to start speaking old English. Like you, gotta, you only pray from the King James Version of the Bible. When you don't talk like that, and you just shocked everybody in the room because you use slang 99% of the time, and then they ask you to pray, and you say, thou Lord, thou greatest and mightiest of all lords. And everybody looks at you like, Bill? What are you even talking about? 
Never even heard you say anything like that. Yeah, but I'm praying, man. Doesn't make any sense. It's not real. God wants you to be sincere and simple when you pray. We don't have to embellish prayer. We don't have to come up with these long prayers that say the same thing over and over and over and over again. We just want the food blessed. You don't have to keep saying it. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Man, Jesus just crushed us right there. He starts the description out with don't be like hypocrites who sound different when they pray than when they don't. He starts out the conversation. He starts out the teaching. When you pray, I'm going to teach you this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I'll tell you the truth. They've received their full reward. Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you even ask. This is awesome. He's saying, just be yourself. Just be yourself. It's not a show. Just be yourself. There's not a, there's not a prayer dictionary where there's only certain words you can use for prayer. Now, Stop getting anxious about it. You start saying, hey, listen, man, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be okay. You know why? Because I lived through several remodels. I've lived through several remodels in my life. You don't get hair this color without being in a remodel every now and then. Amen? That's how you got gray hair. God remodeled your head. So what happens when you're in the middle of it though like God why are you tearing this down why are you tearing it down why are you tearing it down dream can seem overwhelming or unrealistic trial can be exhausting and demoralizing but experience will give you the confidence that it's just a remodel now here is the important part of the experienced person. Because when you get enough age on you, you're probably not the one ripping the cabinets out anymore. Amen? You're probably like, I'm gonna get some dumb young kid to do that. I ain't ripping cabinets out anymore. But the important role for you now is to make sure you're talking to the person ripping the cabinets out. You know what I found out? I've had more benefit in my life sitting in down, down in front of gray-haired people than anybody my age. I thought all the gray hairs would be clapping right now. <laughs> because I've been able to sit down in front of people who have more experience than me and say, listen, this is what I'm walking through right now. And they go, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to calm down. You need to trust God. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. God is going to be with you. It's going to be better when it's, all, when it's through the other side. You're going to be better off. And you know what that does to me? I just sit there and I go, wow. Man, that's a thank you. Because 
if I went and talked to somebody without gray hair, they'd be just, oh man, I don't know. I'd quit. I don't know. They don't know the process. So in a multi-generational church, the weight shifts to the older generation with the experience to look at the younger generation and go, hey buddy, it's going to be okay. Come on. It's going to be okay. Listen, listen, this difficulty you're experiencing right now, God is not trying to destroy you. He is not trying to hurt you. He is not. He's remodeling the house. And when you get done, you're going to have it. It's going to look way better than it was when the construction phase was going on. So hang in there. Hang in there. So if you've been through the process, now the weight is on to share the experience with somebody else. And Joseph does that to his brothers. I've been through the process. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to kill you. It was all on purpose. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. How can you be fine with it? I'm fine with it because I finally saw how God was working in my life and I've been through the whole thing now and now I can look back at you and say, calm down, man. Calm down. It's fine. You're going to make it. So the weight was on Joseph to look back at his, at his, at his brothers and go, it's not a big deal. Now watch. This is the beautiful part. Age and experience make you realize that it was never about you. Everybody under 40 just shut me off. <laughs> They're like, wait a second, I need more followers. That's really what I'm working on right now. And you're telling me it's not about me, but it's got to be about me because nobody will click on me if it's not about me. It's got to be about, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to, I'm going to be famous one day. I'm working on it. My kids and I were having a discussion about that the other day about being famous. I was like, people want to be famous, they're not good at anything. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. The band's going to come up. I want you to listen to this. And listen, experienced people, if you could do one thing for us and my generation and generations under me, is to give us the clarity that it's about other people. Give us the clarity that it's about other people. Help self-centered generations get unfocused on themselves and focused on others. Watch how this works out. When Joseph was 17, it was about him, right? It was about him. It was about his coat. It was about him being the favorite. It was about everybody being jealous of him. It was about how he was doing things. It was about him telling on his, on, his, on his brothers. It was about him. It was about him. It was about him. It was about him. And guess how the story progresses? When, it's, when he's developing, it's still about him, right? It's about, well, he was sold into slavery. It's about him. It's about he's sold into slavery. It's about, it's about he's at Potiphar's house and doing well. It's about him. It's about, well, now Potiphar's wife lied about who? Him. It's, the story's about him. When he, when he gets thrown into prison, what's it about? It's about him. It's really not about anybody else. It's about him interpreting dreams. It's about him being forgotten about. It's about him, him. It's all about him. But then when he gets experienced, the whole narrative changes. You realize that? The whole narrative changes. It's not about him anymore. By his own profession, he starts talking about, this wasn't about me. This is about God 
delivering all these people. Oh. 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 So the mistake that young people and people my age make is we always make it about us. We always make it about us, don't we? It's always about us. Lord, look what you're doing to me. Lord, look how bad my life is. Lord, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look how tough. And it is tough at times. I can remember, I can remember as little as five years ago, praying with my wife in our bedroom, looking up to heaven going, I think you're trying to hurt me on purpose. I was a pastor at that time. Yep. And you were paying me. Can you believe that? You're like, well, I didn't know all that was going on. I mean, we should have cut it back a little bit. Because you know why? Because I was at the season of life where it was about me. I didn't have enough of this stuff right here to realize it was never about me. It's never about me. It's never about me. It's never about Joseph. Joseph wakes up at the fulfillment of the dream and realizes it's always been about all these people. My whole life has not so much been about me, but it's been about how God was reaching out his supernatural hand, knowing the beginning from the end and all these things in between, reaching out and positioning me into a place where he can deliver everyone. And so when his brothers come to him, even after his father dies, he has to remember, remind them, listen, guys, this was not about you. It was not about me. It was part of God's process to deliver all these people. And so when you, when you get to the experience age, you, you, your, your conversation starts to change. You start to stop talking about how all these things, it's me, it's me, it's me. And you start realizing, God, you orchestrated all this stuff for everyone else. You, you worked through me to affect change in all of these other areas. Oh, it makes sense. It was never about me. And you see Joseph's narrative change almost on a dime. It just switches just like that. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. And then when the dream comes to fruition and he's got enough time under his belt, he goes, ah, oh. <laughs> silly am I? It was never about me. You guys are worried about me being upset about that. It wasn't even about that. It wasn't about any of that. It was about God doing his will through us. And I bet there's a whole room full of experienced people here that would say, man, if there's one thing I've realized, it wasn't really about me. So my prayer is, this multi-generational church. We got little teeny babies. We got, we got people in their 70s. What am I talking about? We got a lady that's 102 years old. That the experience group doesn't check out, doesn't fade out, doesn't, doesn't just stop, but they start taking everything that God has taught them through the experience. And they start just feeding it down, feeding it down, feeding it down, 
feeding it down. Hey, listen, you're in your 40s. Don't get nervous. Don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to have a midlife crisis. You don't have to. Hey, you're in your 20s. Hey, handle the dream well. Come on, just start handing it down, handing it down, handing it down. And you're the, you're, you're the most valuable resource in the church because you know it's not about you. You know what God's doing. You, you've, already, you've already crossed over into the tree. You know what God's doing. You're like, man, I can, I can tell you some things. The beautiful thing about this whole story is that even Joseph's brothers benefit from his experience. Matter of fact, the whole world at that time benefited from his experience. And so my, my ask for you this morning is that if you've been through the experience, if you've, if you've fought the battles, you waged the war, you've seen the dream fulfilled, you've seen the process over and over and over again, come on, start sharing that. Don't just keep it locked up. Don't, don't just keep it free. Start sharing that. Start passing it down, pass it down, pass it down, pass it down. And you will relieve so much anxiety and worry and people my age and younger about how things are going to turn out and is it going to work and all these things. And you can start saying, hey, listen, I got enough experience under my belt to know God's got a hold of you and he's going to work it out in your life. And it's not about you. And it's about the people he's trying to reach through you. And come on, let's do this together and just start pouring out into the church start pouring out into the church. Amen? Come on, start pouring out all that you know, all that you've lived into the church. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Some pastors want a young church. Some pastors want a cool church. Some pastors want a young, cool church. I'm going to tell you something. The day I step on this stage and don't see any gray-haired people, you're going to see a really nervous man. Really nervous man. Because experience is the most valuable thing we can have. It's the most valuable thing. It's the clarity and the chaos. And I, I covet you that you're here and that you're a part of it. So let's pray. Let's thank God for it. If you're that age this morning, just thank God for your experience. Thank God that you're still that you're still pouring in. Thank God that you're that you're still purposeful. Thank God that you're still that you're still fighting the good fight. That you're not giving up. That you're still pushing ahead. Thank God that there's still breath in you to pour into the people behind you. Thank God that you have clarity and experience and all those things that make it make it different than everyone else. Father, we thank for the resource, for the great, rich resource you've given us. And we pray, Lord, that you'd encourage, that you'd strengthen, that you'd, Lord, ignite a passion again, Lord, and that this church would benefit from all the experience that's here. We thank you for it, God, and we look forward to what you will do. Give us clarity and definition that that only experience brings. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. Could you honor him this morning? He's good. Amen. Hey, listen, on your way out, find somebody with a little more experience than you. And let them know you appreciate them, all right? We'll see you back here next week.
keep talking. You know what the biggest fear in some of our lives that have older kids is that stuff will go on in their life and they'll stop talking. Anybody else at that age? Where you can look at your kid and you just say, I know something's going on, you got to tell me. Nope. Oh, what? Okay, I'm going to ground you if you don't start talking. Our, our Heavenly Father is the same way. There's, you got to talk to me. Don't, don't, don't think because I said no in this area of your life that I didn't want to hear about this one. Or I didn't even want to hear that you were disappointed that I said no. Do you realize that you can pray to God about your disappointment that something didn't happen? It's called sincere and honest. God, I asked you to do that. It didn't happen. And I don't know what to think about it now. I'm upset about it. God is okay with that prayer. Because it's what? It's real. It's not real when you go, God, you didn't give me what I want. But I am so fine with that. I'm always fine with it. I'm fine with whatever you want. I'm fine with all the suffering you've put me through. It's wonderful. I'm gaining perseverance and character. I love it. Give me more. No, that's not a real prayer. A real prayer is like prayers David prayed and Paul prayed where they were like, man, we can't take this anymore. We don't know what to do. Paul said that he was pressed beyond even the desire for life at one time. And I'm sure he's communicating that to God. We have evidence where he prays three times to be healed and God says, no, I'm not going to heal you. Paul's wrestling trying to figure out what to do with that. It's fine to pray that way. So when the answer is yes, it's wonderful. When the answer is no, it's more difficult. When the answer is, when the answer is wait, it's more difficult. But no and wait don't mean the communication should stop. It doesn't mean we should stop communicating because God loves to hear us. Here is the problem when you stop communicating. James 4.2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. So let me, let me tell you how the chain reaction works. We'll start praying and we'll be asking God for something. We'll say, God, I need you to do this in my life. I need a new job. The job I have currently is not, man, I mean, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. God, you got to do something. You got to do something. And it just seems like, seems like nothing's happening. You're praying to a glass. It just feels like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And then we make the mistake of stopping. We stop praying. We stop communicating altogether about everything. And then James says, that's the danger when you do that. When you're not communicating at all, there's other areas of your life that God actually wants to work in. See, we compartmentalize it. We say, oh God, you're not doing this in this area of life, so that means you're uninterested in everything else. Let me ask you this, some of you that are parents, you're mayor, whatever. Just because you say no to your kid in one area of their life means you don't want to know anything about any other area of their life? No. If I say, no, you can't go out this weekend, I still want to know if you got good grades. Amen. If I say no to this, it doesn't mean I don't know, I don't want to know about that. And so don't let one no keep you from communicating. Don't let, don't let wait keep you from communicating about everything else. Because God is not saying no to everything. He's saying no to maybe that or wait to maybe that. But he wants to know, hey, how was your day today? 
Let me be real with you, God. It's just, it wasn't that great. Okay. Let me encourage you a little bit. He doesn't want us to break communication with him because, because we didn't get the answer. So God wants me to talk to him about everything and anything. He wants me to pray sincere and simple. He loves to show me his grace by answering prayer. And then this last one, we're going to wrap up. God longs to be close to me. He longs to be close to me. You know, um, we just experienced over the last couple of years, one of our kids moving away. And, um, and there'll be time throughout my day sometimes where I'll think about her. And, uh, and you're thinking, man, like, you're going to come home. She's, she's not there. And, and we're so, so some of you parents have already done all the empty nest thing and you've sent all your kids off and, and you hear me joke about it a lot. But God's the same way. Man, where's Chris been lately? I just want to hang out. I just wanted to, I just want to have a conversation. And so he longs to be close to us. God is waiting for you to talk to him. He's not busy. He's longing for you to talk to him. Isaiah 30 verse 18, the Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. God designed you for a relationship. He made you to love on you. He created you for companionship. He chose you to be his child. He went through all this, all this pain and suffering. He said, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, like we said at the beginning, so that you can have a conversation with him, so you can have unfettered access to him. And he's doing all of that so that you can come to him and be with him. And he loves it, and he loves it, and he loves it. And I believe like a parent whose kids are going off, I believe it, it aches God's heart when we fail to communicate with him. When we fail, just pick up the phone and say, hey man, just wanna let you know how it's going. Just wanna, just wanna let you know what's up. Hey God, I just wanna check in today and I got my headphones in, I'm at work, I'm doing whatever, I just wanna let you know that it's good, that I love you. He wants to hear from us. The Bible's full of examples of this. It tells us about Noah, Job, Enoch, Hezekiah, and many others that had a close relationship with God. God points it out like this in Hosea 6, verse 6. I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings, I want you to know me. God wants you to feel how much he wants you. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible is John 15, 15. It says, I don't call you servants. I call you my friends. And friends keep in touch, don't they? You were formed. You were created. You were wired. You were, you were designed for a relationship with him. And that relationship requires a communication. And through these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to be digging into how... How can we be better at this? How can we pull the veil down of difficulty of prayer and, and make it not so crazy, make it not so threatening, make it not so scary when, when somebody asks us to pray, when, 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 we, when we decide, hey, I'm just going to have a communication with my creator. 
So I want you to determine like we talked last week. I want you to determine in your heart, man. I'm going to take this this week and I'm going to say, you know what, God? I know you want to be in my life. I know you want to communicate with me. And I'm going to make these real and simple. It's going to be me. You can warn God. God, you're getting me now. You're getting me now. You're not getting the King James wiped down version of me. You're getting me. And I think God's going to be like, finally, you're going to be real with me. Amen. Finally, you're going to be real with me. Finally, I'm going to, I'm going to hear how you feel about things. Finally, I'm going, to, I'm going to be able to talk to you. Finally. And so like little kids learning how to talk, let's just start. And at the beginning, it might sound like, but God loves to hear you no matter what phase of it you're in. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we're just going to be real now. We don't know how to pray. Not as we should. God, but we're asking today that you help us. We're asking today that maybe starting this week, we just have a normal conversation with you. We're just going to tell you how our week's going. We're just going to let you know how we feel. We're just going to, we're just going to wait and hear from you. We're going to, we're going to have a real conversation with you this week, Lord, about everything. And we're going to stay in touch. And we're going to love on you, and we're going to let you love on us. Thank you for walking us through this journey. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to pray. Thank you for this opportunity to be close to the one who wants to be close to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and glory this morning? He's good. Amen.